Good morning. We are starting our final class today on Christian asceticism. And before we get too deep into it, we're going to start with the word of prayer. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. A God of peace who has taught us that in returning and rest we should be saved, in quietness and in confidence shall be our strength. By the might of thy spirit, lift us, we pray thee, to thy presence, where we may be still and know that thou art God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay, so this uh, final class is going to deal specifically with the book of Common Prayer. We're going to go through the offices and talk about how you do those, um, because it would be a shame for people at an Anglican church not to know how to do their offices. And that's kind of what we do is our book of common prayer. We're also going to talk a little bit about how the common prayer is, has an ascetic uh, theology behind it. Uh, and in particular, uh, Chris asked earlier about Benedictine theology and how it corresponds with the book of common prayer. So we're going to talk about that a little bit too. All right. Book of common prayer and Christian asceticism. We're going to do an overview first. We're going to do a recap of what we've talked about. We're going to talk about the BCP and the rule, the regula of St. Benedict, how they interact. And then I'm going to give you basically a lesson on how to do the offices. We're going to go through the lectionary, the fixed holy days. We're going to talk about the different options. A lot of the offices stay the same, but it's the parts that move that confuse people. So we're going to talk about all those moving parts. Um, and how to use them. And then we're going to end and y'all can ask questions. I want to, we're going to move quickly through this because there's a lot of slides regarding our offices and I want there to be time at the end for people to ask questions if they haven't. So let's do a recap. What is asceticism? Anybody? It is discipline. That's right. Asceticism is the way to say discipline. So here's our discipline marine. Jack Bowdle's not here. Is Bob Ambrose? No. But you were marine too, right? Okay. I was, I was a... CB, we were one of the Marines. Okay, prayer rule. What does that mean? What does it mean to have a prayer rule? Hamburger. <laughs> the hamburger, that's right. Or sandwich. It's your, it's your threefold rule. You've got your mass as the bread. You've got your offices as the meat and cheese. And you've got your mayo and mustard as your devotion. So, and the, the, the idea is to have something in place that you try to make it and make it regular. There's our sandwich. <laughs> fasting. Um, so what is, what is fasting in the Christian tradition? Can anyone give me a short, a short one sentence? Okay. So f- giving, up, giving up something. Now this looks like an Orthodox fast to me, bread and water. Um, but, so uh, giving up something that's good in itself it's not bad. We're not giving up meat and wine and marital relations because they're bad. Giving us something good in itself to discipline the body and remind us of what's most important. Almsgiving. This is a great one. What, does anybody remember what an alms is or what almsgiving is? Yes, that's great. You, you passed the quiz that I was going to give at the end. No. So almsgiving is is, is charitable giving or works done for love of Christ and your fellow man. It can be monetary, it can be your time or your talents, but it's giving back to others because God has given everything to you. It teaches us to trust in God. 
And there's a little mosaic of the widow putting her two mites into the offering plate. So the first thing we're going to start off doing is we're going to talk about the Book of Common Prayer and the rule of St. Benedict. Now, St. Benedict was 6th century, and he lived in a time where the Roman Empire had just completely collapsed, and barbarians were overrunning everything, and there was very poor communication, and he basically had a monastery where he and his monks would stay and pray, and they formed like a little island of Christian community and of sanity and of a rule, a standard of living in a, in a sea of chaos. So we're going to move through this quickly, and I would recommend that if you want to investigate further into how the Book of Common Prayer um, intersects with the rule of St. Benedict, this is all taken from English Spirituality by Father Martin Thornton. And um, he's good, but he's dry. So let's talk about the... <laughs> Let's talk about how, how, how the rule of St. Benedict, the Book of Common Prayer, interact. The basis of both things is the threefold rule. It's the sandwich. So um, the, the Book of Common Prayer, St. Benedict, the, the Eucharist anchors, anchors the week. And then we have our regular offices throughout the week. Um, both the Book of Common Prayer and Benedict's rule are centered on the Psalms. That's, the psalm is called the, the prayer book of the early church. It should be our prayer book. Um, so both couple recollection, real recollection is the idea of recalling God and making him present in your life. The couple recollection, recalling God with repentance and progress. So the idea is that you will have some sort of rule and you will try to make it and you will make spiritual progress. And both presuppose a liturgical calendar which you celebrate the feasts of the church. They're both designed for an integrated community, predominantly for laity. A lot of times there is, and it was kind of, gotta be careful, don't stereotype, but there's, there's a widening divide between monastics and the laity that occurred in the early medieval period and carried throughout it, which really should not have been um, because the rule is mostly meant for lay people. You need a priest, yes, for the Eucharist, this for everyone. Both, both things, the Book of Common Prayer and St. Benedict's Rule, uh, teach common sense and moderation. If you read St. Benedict's Rule, he's going to tell you about all the times you could eat and pray and everything, and you think, well, that's really strict. His point was to provide you just enough so you didn't worry about what you had to eat that day, or you didn't worry about what office you were going to pray that day. So both teach common sense and moderation. They both have a stable and relatively small community as the basis. Um, I mean, I know they, they hold a mass and Shea Stadium and all that stuff, but really, I think the parish church is where people are meant to grow and thrive. Um, that's really quick on um, the rule in the Book of Common Prayer. Does anyone want to comment on that or have a question about it? Okay. I, I would say that... Um, uh, Father Thornton talks about um, Benedictinism or Benedictine theology as just Catholicism. It's just a regulated order and spiritual progress. So really, Benedict's rule this, and this book and basic Catholic theology are, are, are all the same thing. They all suppose that everything's integrated, holistic, everything forms a part, everything is in moderation, and there's progress in your spiritual life. Okay, so let's talk about... Praying the offices, if you have your prayer book. We're going to talk about the lectionary first. 
So in the beginning of your prayer book, on page X, page 10, you begin with the lectionary. If you open it up, you'll see that you have psalms and lessons. If you know how to do this, this is going to be really boring. You can check out. But if you don't, so every, every day you'll see that there is listed um, the week. So you, for instance, you have the first Sunday in Advent. That's your Sunday service. And then you get the rest of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. For each day, there's going to be a psalm and two lessons. On one side is going to be your morning psalms and lessons, and on the other side is your evening psalms and lessons. Um, so uh, just to let you know, for Sundays, there's always an option. Usually there will be um, two sets that you can choose from. If you notice in the bulletin that Father Paul puts out, if there's an asterisk beside one of the Sunday lessons, that's the one that they suggest you use, and I believe this parish uses it all the time. So if you wonder where that psalm comes from that we pray in the morning for the Eucharist, it comes from the morning prayer from the asterisk lesson. Um, so there's something else I want to point out. So just to, just to do a quick go down. So today is the fourth Sunday in Lent. So if you look on page XIX, 19, right? Fourth Sunday in Lent. If you go down towards the bottom of the page, you'll see it down there. It's an asterisk by the second lesson, Ezekiel. So that means that this morning we will pray Psalm 18, verses 1 through 20. That's what we did. If you... Uh, See, the Old Testament lesson, that's Ezekiel. That's what we read this morning. And if you were actually doing your morning prayer, you would also go on and read 2 Corinthians 3, verses 12 and following. If, if it has chapter and verse and no concluding verse, that means you read the entire rest of the chapter. So for today's um, lesson, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 12, that means you start at verse 12 and you read to the end of the chapter. Um, the lectionary is going to take you through the Bible in a year. Correct, Father? It's one year lectionary? All right. There's always a psalm and two lessons. The psalm lessons are always different from morning and evening. uh, There's um, alternate readings for Sundays. If you look now on page, what is that? 44? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you'll see there's actually fixed holy days. We just had one. We just had the Annunciation. So... Uh, What you will do is, if you are on a holy day that's prescribed by the Book of Common Prayer, you will look in here to find your your psalms and your lessons. These take the place of the normal psalm and lesson for that day. So, for instance, um, let's see, Annunciation. Yeah, Annunciation, if you go down a little bit, Annunciation, March the 25th for morning prayer. Instead of looking at the psalm for the day for the regular lectionary, you would look at the one next to the Annunciation and pray Psalms 8 and 113. Is, is this making sense? Yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, this is on XLIV. It's the fixed holy days. So these are the fixed holy days. These don't move. These are prayed on on that day. Okay. Now, does anyone have a question about the lectionary? Like, 
I don't care if it's, if you think it's a stupid question, ask it. Because I didn't understand any of this when I first started doing this. So what I generally do when I start my morning or evening office is I first look at the lectionary and I find the Psalm of the Day, mark it, and I'll have a Bible and I'll mark the first and second lessons with like a marker. And that way I've got them marked and I'm praying in my office and it's time for the lesson. I sit down my prayer book and pick up my Bible and read it. Um, so I usually start off by looking at the lectionary. All right, if there's no questions about the lectionary, let's go to the morning prayer. All right, this is on pages, we'll start with pages three through five, morning prayer. So you have an opening sentence, and Father Paul will usually pray these before he starts the Mass. But if you look on page three through five, you've got a selection. You can choose. These are things that it can change. Um, you can change the one you like. And if you look, there's also ones that are proper for the season. For, so for the season of Lent, you can see we've got three different sentences that you can choose from in Lent. And you can choose other ones too if you want. I mean, um, after you say your opening sentence, if you're doing morning prayer, then this, this is when you give your confession. Now, if you look on page five, there's a long time for the priest to talk about it. But I'm doing this for myself. I usually just use the one, one sentence that says, let us humbly confess our sins to Almighty God, and then we go into confession. Um, can the confession be omitted? Yes. I almost never do confession in the morning because if I'm going to sin, <laughs> it's going to be in the evening when I really need to do confession, and I, I don't repeat it. So a lot of clergy will do that. They will have, oh, say confession at one of the offices. Now, if you only say morning prayer and don't do evening prayer, I suggest you do the confession. Um, uh, but I usually only do a confession in the evening office. Uh, so you can admit it. And just to let you know, a priest cannot absolve himself of sin. If you're looking for a prayer to pray for absolution, the collect for Trinity 21 is often used. This is, if you come to one of my deacon's masses, you will hear this. I can't give absolution, I'm a deacon. But if you will come, you will hear me read the collect from Psalm 21. Because it says, Grant, we beseech thee, merciful Lord, thy faithful people, pardon and peace. They will be cleansed from all their sins and serve thee with a quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a way of asking God for forgiveness, but I'm not giving you absolution. This is what's generally used if a priest is not present after the confession. All right, so after we say our general confession and we pray our collect 21, we say our Father. That's in our Father, and then we go through some sentences, and we come to the first major him, uh, is, it, is the Venite considered a canticle? Yeah. Okay, so the Venite is on page 9 of the Book of Common Prayer. It says, always pray, this is never changes. Uh, confession, our Father, the Venite, these things never change. Um, the Venite is taken from the Psalms. And if you want to get fancy, you have a list on page 8 of sentences that you can say before you begin the Venite based on the season. So on Christmas Day, the Epiphany, before starting the Venite, you would say, Alleluia, unto us a child is born, O come let us adore him, Alleluia. And then you start saying the Venite. That, don't worry about the opening sentence, if that confuses you, just the Venite is the traditional morning prayer.
All right, so you've already marked your psalm, right? You've looked in your lectionary, you've marked your psalm, you've finished praying the Venite. This is when you turn into your Psalter for the psalm of the day. If you look, you'll see a rubric for it right at the end of the Venite. And you will put your marker, the Venite, flip to your psalm, pray your psalm, flip back to the Venite to pick up where you left off. And where you leave off, you, you also say the first lesson immediately after the psalm. Um, so you will say your psalm, because you've marked it. And then you will pick up your Bible, for where you've marked your first lesson. You will read your first lesson. You read your first lesson, you set your Bible back down, and pick up your prayer book. Page 10 is where the next hymn is found. Traditionally, it's the Tadeum Laudimus. This is on page 10. It's a, it's a beautiful prayer or hymn, traditionally attributed to St. Ambrose, probably not actually written by him. But it's, it's basically, if you look through it and read it, it's basically the creed. It's what it comes down to be. At least I, I think it is. Um, so you can say that today um, is traditionally said on Sundays and on major feast days. If you don't say that today, um, you've got a choice. If you don't have time... You've got two other things you can say. You can skip the Tadeum, and you can pick the Benedictus S on page 11, which is beautiful. Blessed art thou, Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. And that's a refrain that continues through it. If you've got lots of time, you can read the Benedicite, because it's like two and a half pages almost. It's beautiful. These are all from the Psalms. The the Tadeum is, is a prayer written by the church, but the rest of these are psalms. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, I was going to cover this. So, after you say a psalm, just as we do in the church, you say, Glory be to the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Ghost. Uh, oh, if you're ever asked to read at the uh, morning prayer office, it's a little different than on Sundays. You say, Here begin at the verse chapter of such a book. And there's, here's, oh man, um, a lot of times we say thanks be to God at the end of a, at the end of a reading lesson. That's actually not prescribed. And um, I don't think, our, I don't think, I think we've been told not to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. There you go. So if you, if you want to say that, you're not, Father Paul's not going to excommunicate you, but we've been told not to do that. I think the reason is because once you say a Bible lesson, you could say, thanks be to God. Or you could say, thanks be to God. So, I, I mean, it's a thing. I don't know. It's, 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 we don't, you're not supposed to say it, but no one's going to kill you if you do. All right. So, we talked about the Tadeum. We talked about the alternates, which is the Benedictus, the, Benedicta, the Benedicite. After you say your Tadeum or Benedictus, you put your marker back in your Book of Common Prayer and pick up your Bible, and you will read your second lesson from the lectionary. So that will be the, the, the whatever was given to you by the lectionary. After your second lesson, you've got your morning canticle on page 14 of the Book of Common Prayer. Now, traditionally, the church has prayed the Benedictus. This is what um, Zechariah says when he receives his son, St. John the Baptist. You do have an alternate, the Jubilati Dea, which is shorter. Um, uh, 
But just a little, just a little historical tidbit for you. The Benedictus was traditional, and um, the Puritans hated the prayer book so much and the traditional prayer that they're the ones who inserted an alternate psalm. So if you really want to tick off the Puritans, pray the Benedictus. <laughs> um, Benedictus is traditional, but I've prayed the Jubilati Deo many times. It's a, it's a beautiful psalm as well. So those are the two options you have for your next hymn. Then you, then you, then you say the creed. Uh, traditionally in the morning we say the Apostles' Creed. It's a little shorter, but if you want to say the Nicene Creed, it's provided for you as well. You can say either creed. Okay, we've said our canticle, we've said our creed. We're going to say a couple of sentences, and then we're going to go into the proper collect of the week. This is another thing that changes. So, if you look, beginning on page um, 90, you have the collects, epistles, and gospels to be used throughout the year. And these are provided for the Sundays. So, if it is now the fourth Sunday in Lent, and you, when you come to this portion for the collects, and I usually mark the collect as well. The collect is a prayer that changes, and the collect for Lent 4 is on page 130. You'll hear Father Paul pray this um, right after he prays the summary of the law. Um, and this is the part that will change. For the rest of this week, if you pray the office, this collect on page 130 for the fourth Sunday in Lent is the collect that you will pray. So, and then when you get to fifth Sunday in Lent, you, you mark fifth Sunday or, it's, or Passion Sunday, and next week you'll pray that prayer. Uh, that is a way of, I like that because it's a way of grounding you in the seasons of the church, um, reminding you where you're at. And it sort of like anchors you in, in the Mass, right? Because that was what was said officially for the Mass that day with the Gospel and lesson. So as you're going throughout the week praying the same collect, it should help you recall the Gospel, the Epistle, uh, the preaching from the Mass. It reminds you that you're connected to something bigger than you. You're connected to the church. And uh, after you pray the, the collect of the week, you've got two standard ones, a collect for peace and a collect for grace on page 17. These always stay the same. Um, and after you finish those, you can be done. You don't have to pray anything else. There is a selection of prayers. If you come to morning prayer, you will hear Father Paul pray them for the president, for the clergy and people, for all conditions of men, for our general thanksgiving. You've got the prayer of St. Chrysostom, and you close with the grace on page 20. But really, if you look at the rubrics, after you finish the collects, you, you can just end it. Um, so having said all that, that's a lot of information to absorb if you've never done that. What you could do, but I'm going to suggest you do, is you, if you've never done this, don't do all of that, that I told you. You could do the psalm. You could pray the, a couple of the hymns, the Venite, the Tedeum. You could close with the collect of the week. It would take you six minutes or something. It would be a way to start. Um, so uh, if you've never done this, you can dive in 
the deep end and try to do it all at once, or you can just take a psalm, the venite, today um, close with the collect of the week, something like that. Yes. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. So this is a prayer. This is a prayer book. So you have tons of options. I told you you could be done, or you could keep going for an hour. So, uh, yes. Thank you for pointing that out. So if you actually look, um, 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 there's there's extra prayers, and I'll go through on page 35. There's prayers in Thanksgiving for children, Memorial Day, sick people. There's extra collects on page 49. Following that, there's Thanksgivings. Um, there's a litany you can pray. If you really get into it, you can pray the litany. Um, and then there's family prayer. Uh, let's see, right after the catechism. Yes, 587, thank you. Um, 587 is forms of prayer to be used in families. And if you, if you want to do this really quickly, so there's even, even provides you a super short version of family prayer on page 592. Okay, it's, it's literally three prayers in the morning and three prayers in the evening. Um, so it's Our Father, and then there's two prayers added to that. So when you do this, do what fits and works for you. People think, oh, I've got this prayer book. It's a rule of how I have to pray. That's, that stinks, you know. I'm going to pray with my own words. You can pray with your own words. You can also use all the prayers in here. You can go and find... Um, I use... Uh, I've got some Orthodox and Roman Catholic prayer books that I use. I've got... A whole bunch of parish prayers that pulls from all over the place. You can use whatever you. Yes, Joe. Thank you, Josh. I, I listen to pray the prayer. Sure. And occasionally they do the litany. Is yes. If you want to pray the litany as part of the offices, you pray it after the collects. So on page seventeen, for morning prayer, you would pray the collect that revolves throughout the week. Then you would pray the collect for peace and the collect for grace. After that, then you move over to the litany. The litany begins on page 54. The litany is beautiful. It's just it's going to take some time. Uh, but you can pray the litany right after the final collect. Now, sometimes they just do the regular collect and then they do benediction. Okay. Then sometimes, like this morning, they pray for the president. Right. Uh, just, this is what I kind of do. I change it up. In the, for instance, in the mornings, I usually pray for the country. And in the evenings, I pray the prayer for clergy and people. So I change it up so I'm not praying the exact same prayers all day long. Um, and I well, sometimes add some other prayers from the prayer book, depending on the situation. For instance, when COVID was going, there's a prayer in time of um, disease and sickness. Um, so you should tailor this to what works for you. Um, just, and remember, the thing is, be careful, because what I ended up doing, is I, you should see my, my, my little prayer book section. I've got like 10 of them. I've got Orthodox, and Catholic, and Anglican, and da-da-da-da, and I'm like, all this stuff, all I really need to do is this. So be careful about getting a ton of prayer books and making your prayer service so elaborate that you lose track of what you're actually doing, which is worshiping God and recalling him and trying to get him into your life. Um, let me move on to the, what changes with evening prayer real quick. Um, and evening prayer is a picture of evening prayer. Then we'll ask questions. 
So for evening prayer, it follows right after morning prayer. So when you finish your morning prayer, you stick your bookmark, your ribbon, at page 20 where you finish your morning prayer. In the evening, you can pick it up, pick right up with evening prayer. Once again, you have a selection of sentences. These are going to be different than the morning ones. This will be changed. So they, for instance, there's one that talks about, uh, let my prayer be set forth in thy sight as the incense and let the lifting up of my hands be an evening sacrifice. So they sort of match the evening prayer office. Uh, but everything else is going to be the same. You have confession, same one you said in the morning. You say our Father. You'll notice that you don't say the venite in the evening office. That's morning only. So you'll say your song, you'll say your lesson. On page 26 is the uh, beginning of the canticles. Those are different. The evening canticles are different. Traditionally, it's the Magnificat on page 26, the Song of Mary. Once again, if you want to anger the Puritans, pray the Magnificat and not the other options that they put in. Um, but the, those are the traditional ones for evening. And then the Nunc Dementis on page 28. The tradition is very short. It's traditional evening prayer. But you do have options for both the Magnificat and the Nunc Dementis if you want to pick those. So you pray your canticles. Once again, it's the creeds, the same creed you said in the morning. Uh, After you finish saying your creed, you will notice that the sentences are a little bit different than they were in the morning. And the collects are a little bit different. You still use that same collect for the week that you use for the morning, but the ones that are printed in the prayer book right there are going to be a little different for the evening. And then it's, it's the same thing. It's um, the same prayers for the president, for the clergy, for conditions of men, general thanksgiving, and the grace. Okay, we've moved through all that really quickly. So... This is what, if you have a question about what we just talked about, please ask it. If you know what we're talking about, then great. Or do you have any questions? Of, yes. Okay. Well, wonderful. That's 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 what. I, uh, thank you for telling me that. That's, I, I feel like there's people here that probably didn't know or didn't know well. Um, I take great joy in this. Now I'm wearing this, right? I'm supposed to pray this. But I have found this to be a great boon to my spiritual life. I was raised as an evangelical where I just sort of talked to God in my own words. And it ended up becoming a long litany of stuff I wanted. Jesus, please help this person. Please give me that. Please do this. Thank you for this day. And this has been a lifesaver to me because it centered me in praising God and worshiping Him in theologically sound language instead of me just rambling. Now, having said that, some people hate this. Some Anglicans hate this. Um, uh, some clergy don't like this. They will tell you, I can't stand the offices. They're boring. I do my own version of the offices. Um, if you don't like this, if you've tried it and you're like, this doesn't work for me, I just encourage you to, to pick up some sort of practice, some sort of regular practice. It might be just reading your Bible in the evening and, and talking to God. Yes? Save money or something, the rubrics are supposed to be read. Maybe these little words or instructions 
they're actually the, the fine print of everything that you just said. So it tells you actually what to read next, what to do next, uh, uh, using the lectionary as the real trick. Is that all you have to do is it's pretty logical once you find your once you find your spot. If it if it seems, I'm sorry. As far as I'm concerned, it's never too late to pray. Um, and I would rather you do the morning office at 2 o'clock in the afternoon than to do nothing. And if you love the prayers from the morning office, then pray them. Uh, I mean, my cutoff is noon. Um, and another thing, it says evening prayer. The evening just means after morning prayer, okay? Sometimes I pray my evening office at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Sometimes I play, pray it at 9 o'clock in the evening. But your schedule, you know when you have a free time to pray. Don't let morning and evening throw you off. Don't, don't say, oh, I have to get up first thing and see my morning office. No. Have your cup of coffee. I need a cup of coffee in me. I'll be bleary-eyed and praying. And I need a cup of coffee in me. Kind of wake up a little bit. So find what time works for you. Um, any other questions about prayer books specifically? Yes. I'm trying to say something else. So I'll say something else. Sure. But, uh, the, uh, the rationale of this, this sort of Anglican ethos is that you do go to church on Sundays, the bread, and that you're, the, the assumption of the 16th century Anglican uh, mindset of the prayer book is that you are saying your opposite. Because if you only come to church on Sunday and you hear those scriptures and they're the same every year, you're taking in about 8 or 9% of the Bible. That was not the intention. The intention was that you would take in all of the scriptures. And how would you ever do that? Well, some churches will take a preaching series and go all the way through Romans from beginning to end or something. That's not the rationale of the Anglican mindset. The mindset is, in morning and evening prayer every day, the life of the monk is now your life, and you read through the scriptures every year. So you're actually taking in all of the scriptures every year. But if you only, if you, you know, biblical illiteracy tends to be a problem in the world today, especially in the Episcopal Church, the Anglican Church, and sometimes the Roman Catholic Churches. People don't know their Bible because they only hear that liturgical piece that's inserted on Sunday mornings once a week. The mentality is those scriptures are supposed to be taken in all week long, all year long. And that's not, I'm not trying to give you a tongue lashing, I'm just saying that that is the, the sort of ethos of, of the Anglican is to, to be always in Scripture morning and night, every day. Oh, one thing I, I want to say that might be confusing to some of you, the, you're going to, in your lectionary, when you're reading through your lectionary, you're going to come across some books that you may have never heard before. That's because the Apocrypha are Deuterocanonicals. We're part of the King James Bible in 1611. The Anglicans never rejected them. They just didn't place them on the par with the rest of Scripture. So if you come across something in your lessons that are italicized, for instance, the fourth Sunday after Trinity, evening prayer, it's all First Maccabees. Uh, you, you can find the KJV with the Apocrypha, or you can find... Um, other Bibles that have it in there, those are, those are prescribed as reading. Um, if you've never read them, first of all, read the Bible. After you've read the Bible, then read the Deuterocanonicals. There's some beautiful, some beautiful um, books in there as well. But that, just, that might throw off some people. Uh, is there any questions regarding 
like the whole class in general, asceticism in general. The, 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 yes? It's not really a question, but I think what's lovely about common prayer and doing the daily morning is also knowing that there are other people right. reading and praying the same things. And as a small denomination, it just gives a lot of encouragement to know that you're not alone and that people in our church are praying the same thing. Absolutely. In all, in all of the 1928 Book of Common Prayer churches. That's right. It's a lovely and- feeling. I, I, I like that too. I, I like that feeling of community. That's what set me on the path to where I am now is when I attended the Roman Catholic Church in China. Because the liturgy, here's all these people from different parts of the world worshiping God in the same way. And I was like, this is really awesome. I've never seen anything like that before. And this does the same thing. This connects you with Christians all over the world and throughout time. Um, anything else? So... The main takeaway from the class is try something this Lent. If you, never, if you do nothing else this, this Lent season other than pray the Psalms or do, do one spiritual practice, just try something. Thank you so much uh, for being part of this class. And I will see you shortly in the nave.